what we do not have, would you give us? Hmm. What we do not know, would you teach us? And what we are not, would you make us? For your glory, through the power of your Holy Spirit, in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for that gracious introduction. Uh, he built me up uh, in ways that uh, are unsettling. And so uh, I'm just praying that uh, the Spirit and the Word and the man of God and the people of God all come together this morning and, and we find a word from the Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to stand before you and to preach. I count it a, an honor a privilege and a great joy to preach the Word of God. My approach to preaching is, I take this note from the great Puritan Richard Baxter. I preach as never sure to preach again. I preach as a dying man to dying men. And so as far as I'm concerned, this may be the last sermon that I ever preach. Uh, so I'm going to give it my very best and my very all. One of the things uh, that is interesting about being called into the ministry uh, that they did not tell me about uh, they warned me about a lot of things. My own pastor tried to talk me out of it. He said, if there's anything else you can do, please do that. And uh, I, I would not be dissuaded. And uh, nobody ever told me about this. Uh, there are a lot of uh, hard things in ministry. And, and uh, you, you tend to develop a, a hide like leather. And uh, you can take a lot of things. Uh, but when you see your children follow you in ministry and you see things happen to them, uh, I was never warned about that. That is very difficult to watch. That is very difficult to endure, uh, to watch your children go through uh, what you know they have to go through. I will say this about my son, uh, like the uh, show on TV, Forged in the Fire. Uh, this man that you have is definitely forged in the fire. A.W. Tozer said, it is doubtful that God can use anyone greatly until he has wounded him deeply. I want you to know that Jeremy and Luann have both been wounded deeply in ministry. And uh, you receive them as your pastor, and you are going to get to receive the blessings of them being wounded deeply. I am... Sure that God is going to do great things here at Eastwood through Jeremy and Luann. Uh, you've seen a little foretaste in the six months or so that they've been here. Uh, a foretaste of glory divine, and there's more on the way, I am sure. And so uh, I'm sure that this is a Christmas that most of you uh, will never forget. Uh, what you've experienced here and uh, you have observed and you may have experienced yourself great loss. You have observed people that have lost stuff. You have observed and maybe experienced the loss of a home. You have observed people lose family members and maybe some here have lost family members. And you may know of someone that actually lost their life. Uh, that is a burden. That is something that wears on us and makes us weary. Uh, that's what I'm here to talk to you today about is weariness and 
the burden that we all carry. We all experience them in uh, different ways and for different reasons, and sometimes we can define them. Sometimes we cannot define them, and sometimes weariness is just the cumulative effect of the frailty of our body, the effects of sin, and just the heartbreaks of life. Quite honestly, uh, it exceeds our understanding sometimes, and because burdens are not simple, uh, it is not enough just to experience a cheer up or a uh, come on brother, let's just suck it up and go for the Lord. Our burdens and our weariness is complex, and it takes something complex uh, to fix that. In the midst of all that hurt, in the midst of all that weariness, in the midst of all that pain, in steps Jesus. In steps Jesus. There's a popular word that is gaining popularity. is the word catalytic. It is a word that is used in business circles. It is also a word that is gaining popularity in religious circles. In our own state convention there in Texas, uh, they refer to individuals as this person is catalytic. Or they say this event is catalytic. And what they mean by that is this person causes things to happen. Or this event causes things to happen. Go back with me for just a moment to high school chemistry. Do y'all remember those days? I remember those days. And I remember the chemistry teacher telling me about a thing called a catalyst. It is an agent that goes into a substance and it changes that substance. Now the interesting thing about a catalyst is this. Even though it goes into the substance and it changes that substance, the catalyst itself remains unchanged. What a perfect picture of Jesus. He changes everything around him, and yet he remains unchanged. When Jesus gets around water, it becomes wine. When Jesus gets around hungry people, they become full. When Jesus gets around blind people, they see. When Jesus gets around dead people, they live. Jesus changes things. So who is this unchanging one that steps into our burden, that steps into our weariness, who changes everything and everyone around him? He is Jesus. Christmas was yesterday, and we're thinking about uh, presents and the exchanging of gifts. I think this verse is appropriate to introduce here. It's a verse from 2 Corinthians 9.15. Paul talking about the greatest gift that was ever given. Thanks be to God for his indescribable, inexpressible, unspeakable gift. So it is that gift. Whenever that gift comes into contact with anyone, they are forever changed. Forever changed. You are changed. I am changed. I've been doing this for 46 years. And I've come across a lot of people. And there are people that have told me, 
Yes, I have met Jesus. But I have noticed over the years that some of those same people that tell me they have met Jesus, they still talk the way that they always talked. They still act the way that they always acted. That's disturbing. I assure you, after this service is over, let's just suppose that for whatever reason, I walk across the street and I fail to look both ways like Mama told me before I walk across the street. And let's just suppose a, a tractor-trailer truck is billowing down the road. I will never be the same again when that truck comes into contact with me. You cannot not be changed when you have a collision with the creator of the universe. He will forever change us. Jeremy's read our text for us today and I'm going to ask you to be there with me in Matthew chapter 11. We're going to explain a little bit before we get to our text. Let me just tell you what's going on in chapter 11. This is a chapter about unbelief and belief. That's what this chapter is all about. Those first 15 verses of Matthew 11 tell us, surprisingly enough, about the unbelief of John the Baptist. Wow. And Jesus tells us that he's the greatest man that ever lived, and yet he's experiencing unbelief. 16 through 24 tell us about all of those towns in Galilee that Jesus performed many miracles for, and yet they experienced unbelief, even opposition to Jesus. And so as we get to the end of that chapter, we see that Jesus responds in two different ways to the unbelief and the opposition that he is facing. First of all, you can read this for yourself. We won't uh, preach on this this morning. I have enough to handle with three verses. So we're not going to talk about these verses other than to say, verses 25 through 27, this is the first thing that Jesus does in the face of unbelief. He finds comfort and strength in the sovereignty of God. Now, just let that wash over you for a minute. The Son of God finds comfort and strength in the face of unbelief in the sovereignty of God. Our text for today is 28 through 30. And in that little section of scripture, we find the second Thing that Jesus does in the face of unbelief, and this is for us today. He calls on all people to find comfort and strength in his sovereignty. In his sovereignty. So you're there in Matthew 28. As we examine this text this morning, what I want us to see is this, that Jesus is offering himself today... As the universal solution to your burden. Some of you I've met, most of you I have not. 
I don't know what you bring into this place. I don't know what baggage you carry. I don't know what burdens you have. I don't know what makes you weary or is making you weary. But I assure you, Jesus does. And he is the universal solution to your problem. So as we examine these three verses, I want us to see three burden-lifting actions that Jesus himself is taking for us today. He took them back then as he wrote this, and he's taken it for the same people uh, the past 2,000 years, but he's also doing that for us today. So you're there in verse 28. Follow along with me, just reading verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. First of all, as we look at this text, I want us to note several things. The first thing that I want to note is that little word come. That is an imperative. That is a command. That is Jesus telling us to do something. This is not a suggestion. He's not asking for a vote. And we Baptists, he's not asking for us to form a committee. He wants us to come to him. It is present tense, which means he could be saying, come right now. Do not hesitate. Do you get the urgency there? Do you get the expediency of the hour? He wants you to do something about your burden and your weariness today. Notice also that this Jesus, this catalytic person that changes everything and everyone around him, his invitation is big enough for everyone. Notice it says all of you. All of you. All of you. This invitation is for you. It makes no difference if you're financially well off. It makes no difference if you're dirt poor. It doesn't make any difference if you're male or female. And by the way, that's the only two that there are. It makes no difference. It makes no difference if you are red, yellow, black, or white, or brown, or any color that I may have left out. It is for all of you, and the invitation that Jesus is giving is for everyone. He does give a qualification. You'll notice that the qualification of come to me, which is for all of you, the qualification is who are weary and burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I know this for a fact. If you are breathing, and if you have a pulse this morning, you qualify. Because we all have burdens. We all experience weariness. You've recently experienced devastating effects of tornadoes. Maybe that. Maybe something going on in your family. Maybe something going on in your workplace. Maybe something going on with your marriage. 
Maybe just something going on within you. I am not right with the Lord. Well, Jesus says, come. All you who are weary and heavy laden. Now, the simplicity of Jesus' invitation and promise here is both striking and refreshing, especially in the day that we live. You will notice that Jesus does not offer a fourfold path to peace and enlightenment that Buddha does. He doesn't offer us five pillars of peace through submission that Islam does. He does not offer us ten ways to relieve your weariness, which we pragmatic Americans are so prone to want. And he does not even promise us your best life now. But what he does promise, unique to anyone else in history, Jesus simply offers himself. Himself. Not some list to do, but a person to know. Wow. He's the universal solution to all that burdens us. So, so what does that mean? Well, here's what it means in light of the context. The answer to weariness is belief in Jesus. The answer to your burden, whatever it is, I don't have to know what it is. I know the answer. It's Jesus. The answer to opposition, the answer to being tired in the Lord is to believe in Jesus. Now, here's where our soul gets tested. One of my favorite movies in all the world is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now, he's chasing the, uh, the chalice that the Lord supposedly drank out of at the Last Supper. And he, he gets to the end of his journey only to be encountered by Nazis. You know, it's going to be a difficult path because he has to go through the breath of God, the word of God, and the path of God. But then all of a sudden, something happens. Because he's real hesitant, and he doesn't want to work for the Nazis. So you remember the Nazi sympathizer? He takes his Ruger out, and he shoots Sean Connery, his dad. And he says this, Dr. Jones, it's time to ask yourself, what do you believe? Well, that's what Jesus is asking us today. You've come with all sorts of baggage and weariness, and you've been through a lot. And Jesus is asking, well, it's time to ask yourself, what do you believe? Now, at the end of verse 28, he simply says, and I will give you rest. As I thought about that, I thought it was interesting this rest that he promises us, he doesn't define how he's going to do that. He, he, there may be an infinitesimal amount of ways that he could do that. He doesn't tell us how he's going to do that. He doesn't even tell us when he's going to do that. 
The text just presents this. It's not enough to know how or when. The point of the text is we just simply need to know who. Jesus. He's going to do it, and he's going to do it how he wants, and he's going to do it when he wants. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Our only hope, our soul's only hope is to find rest in him. David put it this way in Psalm 62. Rest in God alone. My soul, for my, my hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God. My strong rock, my refuge is in God. Now you've come this morning. I just want to tell you, Jesus has come also. He is here with us. Jesus is not that hard to find this morning. His invitation is clear. Do you hear him? I grew up listening to all sorts of different preachers. One of, the, one of the preachers that influenced me greatly, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. His name is Lester Roloff. And uh, I, I would listen to Lester Roloff many times, and he would sing in his sermon to get his point across. I hear your hollow laughter, your sighs of secret pain. Pretending and inventing just to hide your shame. Plastic smiles and faces blinking back the tears. Empty friends and places all magnify your fears. If you're tired and weary, weak and heavy laden, I can understand how it feels to be alone. I will take your burdens if you let me love you. I'll wrap my arms around you. I'll give your heart a home. Come me. All you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I need to see that Jesus is giving me a clear invitation this morning. Come to me. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke and learn from me. Because I am lowly and humble in heart. Write this down. I need to see that Jesus provides a clear path for me. Now, as I read this, it, it, it kind of catches me off guard a little bit. 
Because he just told me in verse 28 that he was going to provide rest for me. And then all of a sudden, uh, this yoke <laughs> enters the equation. Uh, a yoke is something that is used for work. A yoke is something that you put on oxen or a team of cattle to pull a wagon or to plow a field. So which one is it? Is, is Jesus offering us rest or is he offering us work? That is exactly what Jesus wants us to ask here. Because he's going to answer it later in the book of John. John six twenty nine. This is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. See, what we're going to do, we, we've all got this yoke that we've brought in here today. That we're weary with, this burden that we're carrying. All sorts of things, and it, it affects us in all sorts of ways, and we each have our different weight to bear. Our yoke of sin and everything that goes along with that. Think about it. Shame, guilt, depression, weariness, worry, anxiety. And what Jesus is saying is, I want you to take that. And I want you to put that down. And what I want you to do is come over here and take my yoke up and put it on. And I'll yoke up next to you. See, when we lay that down, what we gain is peace. What we gain is joy. What we gain is comfort. What we gain is blessedness. What we gain is grace, mercy, all of those wonderful benefits that Jesus brings us. You may be like David in Psalm 38. For my iniquities have flooded over my head. They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. Well, if they're too heavy for you to bear, bring them to Jesus today. You may be like David in Psalm 68. The background is probably Absalom chasing him. He says this, Blessed be the Lord. Day after day, he bears our burdens. God is our salvation. I like that little word that follows Selah. Probably a musical rest, but it, it gives us the idea of, well, we just need to stop and think about that for just a second. Let's just think about God being the God of our salvation. And day after day, he bears our burdens. Now, the interesting thing here, and to be sure, God has every right to do this. He has every right to point the finger at us. Yeah, you, Tony Rogers, I know how you are. But that's not the picture of God here. This is not God with the pointed finger. Look at the last half of verse 29. Because I am lowly and humble in heart. This is not the God who's pointing his finger. This is the God 
who's standing here this morning with his arms open wide. Offering that you come to him. He describes himself as lowly and humble. Your Bible may use the word gentle. May even use the word meek. See, he's, he's gentle for the worst of us. And he is lowly for the humblest of us. I tell my people all the time, especially when we're in seasons of prayer, or we're going through a prayer list, it always is striking, isn't it? We are a needy people. We, we got a bunch of stuff, don't we? That, that's not real good English, but that's good theology. We got a bunch of stuff. But it's always great to know that we can bring our stuff to the Lord. And he will give us rest. It hurts to watch you struggle and try so hard to win. To trade your precious birthright for candy-coated sin. Wasting priceless moments, restless and confused. Building up defenses for fear that you'll be used. If you're tired and weary, weak and heavy laden, I can understand how it feels to be alone. I will take your burden if you let me love you. I'll wrap my arms around you. I'll give your heart a home. I need to see that Jesus is giving me a clear invitation. Come. I also need to see that Jesus is providing me a clear path. And the clear path is described in those two imperatives, take and learn. It is simply believe. Believe. Time to ask yourself, what do you believe? Look at the rest of verse 29. It says, take my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. A third point for this morning is this. I need to see that Jesus pledges a sure promise to me. And God always keeps his word, does he not? Now, there is absolutely no uncertainty here. You know, I live in Texas. It's, uh, I don't know how, thousand-something miles away. It's a long ways. But we've all experienced COVID, right? You remember, as we waited with anticipation with the vaccine, and they finally said, we have a vaccine. And if you get this vaccination, then it's the cure. And every, everything's going to be wonderful if everybody would get the vaccination. But what we have found out is even people that got the vaccination still got COVID. Hmm. Help me, Jesus. 
You, you actually cannot trust your government. That may be the case, but you can actually trust Jesus. There is no uncertainty here. He says if you take his yoke and you learn from him, you will find rest. There, there's no uh, maybe so, uh, you might, or you better hope. No, he says you will find rest for your souls. You will notice that the cure for a heavy burden is not no burden. The cure for a heavy burden is a light burden. It's the right burden. It's the burden of Jesus. It's the burden of lordship. It's the burden of discipleship. And it is light because of who he is. This is the second time, if you've noticed, in verse 28, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. In verse 29, that's the second time that he offers rest. Now, in a real sense, verse 28 is talking about justification. And verse 29 is talking about sanctification. The first rest that he gives is when you come to the Lord. And he gives that to you. But you'll notice the second rest that he gives. He says, take my yoke and learn from me. That rest that he gives is the experience of a lifetime. That is learning from Jesus every single day. The first rest is given. The second rest is discovered. We're on a quest with Jesus. To be more like him every single day. Jesus is offering himself today as the universal solution to whatever your burden is. I saw this on a Twitter feed the other day. The misery of our condition should drive us to the majesty of his mercy. And we are miserable. And our condition should drive us to his mercy. Now, even though there's three commands in this passage, it doesn't come across that way. It comes across this way. You remember singing this song in church? Jesus is tenderly calling thee home, calling today. That's what this passage comes across as. Even though he's telling us, come, take and learn, he is tenderly calling us today. So, brother and sister, are you weary and burdened from your load? What's this text telling us? Come to Jesus. Brother and sister, are you in need of rest? Many of you have probably been ministering from can to cane, from pillar to post. Do you need rest? Come to Jesus, take up his yoke, and learn from him. Lost friend, and I'm supposing in a crowd this large, somebody here does not know the Lord. Lost friend, are you weary and burdened from your sin? Come to Jesus. Are you in need of rest? The way you've been living 
You just can't live it anymore. And you need some comfort. You need some peace in the midst of a storm. Come to Jesus. About 30 years ago, there was a lady that approached me in church after Sunday morning. And she said, Brother Tony, my brother-in-law is in the Quero Hospital, and he's dying. And uh, he goes to such and such church, but I'm pretty sure that he's lost. Would you go see him? Sure. And so I made arrangements the next day to go see Linwood. And I remember walking in the door that day, seeing Linwood lying on his deathbed, emaciated by a disease. I don't remember if the curtain was drawn, but it was dark in there in more ways than one, if you know what I'm saying. There was the, there was the smell of death in the air. I don't think I had ever experienced anything like it before. The whole room was downcast. And I remember exchanging pleasantries with him and telling him who I was and why I was there and that his sister-in-law had uh, asked me to come by and pay him a visit. And I was just about to approach the subject of the Lord when his minister walked in. I use that term loosely. Minister. Air quotes. Minister. And he walked into the room, and I'll never forget it, as Linwood was there in the bed. And he walked over to the foot of the bed, and here he goes. And he walked over here, and he would look at him, and he would just, he would just shake his head. Like, you poor, pitiful person. I got no answer for you. I got no hope for you. I don't even know what to say to you. As he walked out the door, all he said was, Well, Linwood, we'll be praying for you. Minister didn't even pray for him. He just gave him that. sort of thing that he should do, I guess. We'll be praying for you. Well, I, I thought, man, you just rained on the whole parade here. So I walked out the door with his minister, told him who I was and all that kind of stuff, and he walked away, and I stood outside the door for a minute, and I thought to myself, I cannot leave this individual in this shape and I came back through the door and I sat down and I said Linwood I'm just gonna be frank with you you're dying you're not long for this world and I'm pretty confident that you don't know Jesus would you like to know him he said I, I don't even know where to begin and I explained the plan of salvation to him and then I said Linwood would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? And he said, I would love to do that. And there in that hospital room, in the midst of darkness and death, he prayed to receive the Lord. 
And it was as if the clouds had lifted. And it's as if the sun was shining through the window. And a big old smile came across his face. And I said, Linwood, if you were to die right now, where would you go? He said, I would go to heaven. I said, how do you know that? He said, because I asked Jesus to save me from my sins and to come into my life and change me. Well, Linwood only lived about four more weeks. But as I went to visit him every week, it's as if I was going to minister to him. But every single time, that man ministered to me in his dying days. Take my yoke upon you. Walk here by my side. Let me heal your heartaches. Dry the tears you've cried. Never will I leave you. Never turn away. I'll lead you through the darkness. Be with you through the day. If you're tired and weary, weak and heavy laden, I can understand how it feels to be alone. I will take your burden if you'll let me love you. I'll wrap my arms around you. Give your heart a home. From the first of the Bible, the Old Testament. Come now. Let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, I will make them as wool. From the first all the way to the end, the book of Revelation, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. And Jesus tops it off by saying, come unto me. I'm going to ask the pastor to stand right here. And the singers, if they would come, I'm going to ask you to stand. And the preacher doesn't have to know your burden. He just has to know that you want Jesus to meet you. You will forever be changed. I invite you today to come. All you who are weary and heavy laden. Maybe from sin, maybe just from ministry. You've given, and you've given, and you've given, and the people keep coming, and you give. And after a while, you just become weary. You feel like, I don't know if I can give one more thing. But the great thing is this. Jesus never changes. He never runs out of power. He will keep giving and giving. And he will give through you as you come.